Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away. He is home from Hoffenheim. It's James Pearce. Hiya, Jay. Hello. Uh, also with me is Paul Ghost, Echo Journalist. Hello, Ian. And also Christian Walsh with his newly shaven head. Hello, Christian. Hello, Ian. That is a very, very <laughs> close haircut, by I'm, the way. I'm modelling it on yours. Oh, I've got ten years on you. You've still got a lot of time to catch up. Uh, James, you're back from Hoffenheim. Uh, we all watched it on television while you had the pleasure of actually being out there. Uh, what did you make of it all? Uh, I just thought it was a it was a crazy game. Um, you know, when you think how much was at stake, you know, you, a lot of those playoff games like that can be quite cagey. Uh, both teams not wanting to to overcommit, but there was a stack of chances at both ends, and you know, it could have been three three, could have been four four. Um, somehow it looked like Liverpool were going to. Escape with a with a two 0 win, and then obviously the 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 goal at the death. Um, Mark Uth pulling one back, I think keeps keeps the tie alive certainly because um, I was impressed by Hoffenheim. I thought technically really good, um, really bold. Probably you know almost probably too much so in that second half where you know they committed more and more players forward and left gaps for Liverpool to pick them off on the on the counter. Um, but yeah, I mean it was a. It was a great game to watch, I imagine, if you were neutral, but um, probably a bit too open. You know, defensively again, I, I thought Liverpool were were pretty poor, um, and they were they were very thankful to, for a big performance from Simon Mignolet, who obviously came in for a bit of stick um, at Watford last weekend. When I thought he looked nervy and contributed to that kind of sense of, of unease at the back, but um, time and time again the other night he was exposed. But you know, came to the fore and, and delivered for them, not least with that that penalty save. Do you think it was an escape then for Liverpool? You mentioned that yeah, yeah, to win two, yeah, yeah. Because I just think even obviously it could have been even better, couldn't it? But to win that game two one on a balance of play, yeah, I thought they were. I thought they were lucky to escape with the lead. Paul, do you agree with that? Not so much. I mean, Hoffenheim haven't lost at home since May two thousand sixteen. So for Liverpool teams to go there, first time we've obviously ever played there, and to win. The way they've done is, you know, a really impressive result. Um, it, it was a bit too open, uh, but you know, typical Klopp Liverpool, isn't it? Every game is open. Uh, I thought Joel Matip and Trent Alexander Arnold did really well on the right side of that defence. Albert somewhere I can I know sense and, a butt coming here. Yeah, yes. <laughs> somewhere I know and Diane Lover on the, on the left side, not so much. Um, but a typical Liverpool performance, very open, uh, very attacking, and, and uh, they got what they deserved. I thought. Christian, do you agree with Paul or do you agree with James? It's all on you now. A bit of pressure, a bit of pressure. It's not really, because I actually agree with Paul. I think Liverpool deserved to win. And I thought Hoffenheim were maybe perhaps not quite as good as what James is making out. But he was there and he did, so he did it's, see them closer quarters than I did. It was a strange game because you look at it on the balance of play. I think Hoffenheim probably had the best of chances. They certainly had one from 12 yards, which probably one of the worst penalties I've ever seen, to be honest. <laughs> um, they had a couple of other opportunities. And the only opportunity that Liverpool crafted for themselves later on in the second half was because they were 2-0 up. But they hadn't really earned the right of being 2 0 up. If you look at the well, goals, Firmino's chance wasn't at two 0 was it? Yeah, but apart, you know, there was a couple of a couple of times when the, the cutbacks were just a little bit too behind the player or too, too close to the goalkeeper. If you look at the way Liverpool have crafted the the, the two goal lead, you know, Trent's pulled out pulled out of Wales, out of absolutely nowhere, and James Mills had a deflected cross which just looped in. So. Once it got to two 0 I think Liverpool can be disappointed that it didn't finish four or five. To be honest, because they really did start to open up Hoffenheim. They looked tired. Uh, they looked like 
you know, on, on a football game when you've had your finger on the sprint button for, for the whole game, they just looked absolutely destroyed. And then it's just, as usual, Liverpool, uh, a lapse of concentration, a, a couple of mistakes. It's not even one mistake, it's just a, a number of mistakes that lead to uh, a goal being conceded. So, a strange one in terms of, I think, Liverpool can be a bit aggrieved that it didn't finish 3-1, 4-1, 5-1, but at the same time, if you would have taken a 2-1 after um, Gnabry won that penalty, I don't think anyone would have complained whatsoever. James, should we be surprised in any way, shape or form, as a former Liverpool manager might have said? Should we, should we be surprised by the way Liverpool actually performed? Because from memory, I can only think of one game in Europe when they got to the Europa League final where Liverpool shut up shop and tried to play for a nil-nil, which was the semi-final, the yeah, which they nearly got away with. But it's like they don't even bother trying to do that anymore. This was the complete opposite to what you'd expect a normal away European first leg to be like, wasn't it? Yeah, especially when you think back to all those games under like Julio and, and Benitez where they would almost be non-events when they games like that, where they just go away and just look to stifle and, and, and kill the game, make sure there was no real rhythm to it, just frustrate the hosts and and, and look to get a clean sheet. And it's just, it's just not the club way, is it? And I think... I, th- I think he probably knows that Liverpool, with the players he's got, probably aren't capable of doing that. And you know, you only have to look at the way that you know, Trent and Moreno on the other side were bombing forward pretty much throughout. That it was, it, it very much was about we'll just try and outscore the opposition. And you know, in the in the end, that that paid off. Although you know, it would have been a very different feel to the night if if that late header that they missed, which was was a was a sitter really, if they'd taken that, then it would have put a downer on the evening. But as it is. Liverpool are in a in a fantastic position to to go through. You know, as Paul said, you know, Hoffenheim hadn't lost at home for fifteen months, I think it was. Schalke were the last team to win there. Um so, you know, not not kind of dumbing down the achievement of winning there whatsoever, but you know, I I think we didn't really learn anything that we didn't know already that this this team are gonna do some serious damage to some very good teams going forward, yet they're an absolute accident waiting to happen at the other end. And that's why I don't think the tie's over by any means. No. I really can foresee a scenario where... They'll score Anfield, definitely. And if it's 1-0, the other suddenly becomes nervy. The other, the, the other side of the coin there is that good luck to Hoffenheim trying to keep out Sadio Mane, Mohamed yeah. Salah yeah. and Roberto Firmino at Anfield for 90 minutes. That's, that's the hope for Liverpool. Whether that's a long-term viable route into um, you know, success in, in the Champions League, I'm, I'm not too sure, but... I suppose you might as well just enjoy it while you can. Are we veering into Kevin Keegan, Newcastle territory, Paul? Uh, yeah, quite possibly. Um, Liverpool's strength is certainly going forward, isn't it? And everyone knows that they're not the best of the back, but you know it's uh, it's no open secret. Um, that that is the way Klopp set them up, and that's certainly the way he seems to want them to play at this point. I mean, there's been a couple of obviously Champions League playoff games in the past where Liverpool have won away from home. I think it was three-one against Sofia, two-nil against Grazza then they've lost the home leg because they haven't really known how to play it. But you can't really envisage a situation, can you, Christian, where a Jurgen Klopp team goes, ooh, perhaps we, should, we don't really need to win this, so we, we shouldn't really go full throttle. We know exactly what's going to happen. Exactly, and, and I think those two games were different. I, if I remember rightly, I think both teams were slightly more weakened because they were at home. Um, I think Darren Potter played against... I think he played in both games yeah, against possibly. Grazia. Um, I, I don't think... I think against teams like that, no disrespect to, to the Bulgarians and the, and the Austrians, it's a very comfortable sort of situation that two goal advantages... So even if you lose them 1-0, it's not really that nervy at the time. Um, 
this is going to be a completely different game. I don't think Klopp's going to underestimate Hoffenheim whatsoever. I think, in a, in a weird way, the way Hoffenheim troubled Liverpool might help them in the home leg because I don't think there'll be any room for complacency. I think they'll know exactly what what will happen if if, if they switch off for, for just a second. So I think they'll be switched on from the start. The problem is they can be switched on all they want, but it, and largely they defend the set pieces quite well in Germany on Tuesday, but. You know, a corner coming in at the cop end, you, you wouldn't be surprised if you see that netball. So, it's 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 not it's not cheering us all. Up, it's, not, it's not it's not going to be easy. But as I said, at the same time, I think Liverpool will will know what they need to do at the other end of the pitch. James, do you think that experience can help Liverpool on uh, on Tuesday? Because Hoffenheim were Liverpool's 126th different European opponents, and Liverpool were Hoffenheim's first. Which was just a question I wanted to put, so I could get that fact out. <laughs> Um, uh, possibly they're not possibly, very experienced uh, Liverpool though are they in but Europe then, yeah I mean when you, well, you, say that, you say that you say that but Mignolet's played in the Europa League final so's I was thinking more Champions League but well, yeah, you know, fair enough yeah, well, there's only three, Europe, three yeah. survivors in there from the last I think what was it just Lovren Mignolet and Henderson mm. who had played Champions League football before um, yeah maybe there was a bit of nerves on Hoffenheim's part you know it was a huge occasion for them you know there was you know, there was a, you know a lot of fanfare around the game, and you know their, their fans were brilliant. I thought is the know, town really that small, by the way? Yeah, well, it's it's not actually in Hoffenheim the ground. Oh, Hoffenheim is, is a village of like three thousand people, which is where they used to play. And then Dietmar Hopp, who's the software billionaire that's, that's bankrolled them, um, he was gonna he was gonna build the stadium in Heidelberg, which is about half an hour away, which is a decent sized town. But apparently, there was some issue with getting the planning permission and they didn't really want the stadium there so we ended up building it in Sinsheim which is a, you know, a very small little uh, little town near Hoffenheim and um, yeah, there was nothing there to be honest I mean next door to the stadium was a, an aeroplane museum um, where you could go and sit in Concord really? Um, you could also Ooh, sit in Elvis's pink Cadillac was in there as well <laughs> and Hitler's old Mercedes I think was in there and one of Himmler's cars as well Um I never made it there, um, <laughs> but and then I think there was four. I was in the only hotel in Sintheim, and opposite was a dog clothes shop. Uh, to my right was Burger King. To the left was McDonald's, and just a bit further down was KFC. So which one did you choose? Let me guess. You went for Mackey's. I did, correct. Yeah, yeah. I think I have Michael Palin in the room. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> and then I had my lunch the following day in some truckers' cafe. Like moving was, on, uh, moving on. Uh, before then, though, me and you were at uh, James. Me and you were at Watford, and you know, just a typical start to a season for Jurgen Klopp. Just the six goals. It was just one of those, wasn't it? It was almost like the last twelve months hadn't even happened. I know. Yeah, and it, one of the great surprises was it. I think we've been saying all summer from the from the friendlies that you know that three man front line it, it was absolutely mouth watering the prospect of, of seeing them in action, but. In the back of your mind, you knew that you know. Hey, Liverpool haven't strengthened defensively in the window, um, and in centre midfield, is there enough dynamism and, and energy? And certainly with the absentees, obviously no Lallana, no Coutinho, um, you, you know it really it really stuck out. And Liverpool I thought, started the game so poorly and got bullied by Watford for for half an hour. Um, obviously, the Achilles heel of set pieces reared its ugly head again, and then. In the second half, they improved and you know, and they got themselves in a position where they should have killed the game off. I mean, some really, really good chances, just like the other night, to, to really put it out of the opponent's reach. Um, you know, I think, obviously, 
was it Matip hit the bar and when Aldum sliced that one when you know complete lack of composure um and then you just knew Watford were bound to get a chance and predictably it, it came from a corner and you know, the other night in Hoffenheim the day before the game Klopp was going on about how you know like, I haven't seen anyone right that we won the game 3-2 and we're still going on about how it was offside and it's because the three all that's right <laughs> yeah, yeah and it, I didn't like that to be honest because I just think you know it, it's okay yeah it was offside but it was a it was marginal and and b it all stemmed from not dealing with a set piece you know uh, if I was him I'd be more annoyed with Wijnaldum and his inability to clear the danger of the near post rather than the linesman not spotting a fellow was four inches offside. Paul, do you think Liverpool were a bit unlucky against Watford? Because the reality is two of the goals were offside for Watford. Do you think I'm, we're being a bit harsh? Two of them? Yeah, the second goal was offside as well, I thought. So no, he's he was, offside in the build-up, he is. Yeah, but not under the new rules, is he? Because then oh, he comes... we haven't got a clue what the rules the, are. The second, I, thought, I thought the second, the third goal was offside. Turns out it wasn't. I wouldn't say the second one was offside. The third one was, but... Just defend the corner. You know, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. Why not them... Just put your head on it and put it off the throwing or whatever. Well, he put his head on it. He just... Well, yeah, he, he looks like he, he never had a ball in his life. He's stooping to, to, to the top of his head and before you know it, it's 3 all. And it was just comedy of errors, wasn't it? The, the last goal and, you know, Liverpool can moan to the blue in the face that it was offside, but the ref's given it and it's 3 all. But I think it, it just stems back to not being able to defend corners properly and, and good delivery into the box. That's the Achilles heel. That's the thing, the first goal, I think I said this to you, Something that was lost is that it was an incredible delivery into the box, to be fair. Good header as well, wasn't it? Yeah. It's a good header. The thing about the fair goal, everyone's talking about systems and zonal marking and man marking and doing this, that and the other. You can't legislate for Genie Wan Aldum just ducking a, a ball that's going straight to his face. You, you can't legislate. That, that, that's a, that is an individual error. So... For me, the set the set up there is all right. You know, it, it, there's a fella on the near post. Well, I was, I was the say, corner comes into the near post. Just clear it. But then does that come back to a familiar complaint that Liverpool haven't got? You know, a, a bit of toughness about them, a willingness to, to stick their head in where it hurts. It wouldn't even hurt them, would it? <laughs> Not really. The other thing as well is that there's been some complaints that Liverpool haven't got players on the line on the posts. Is that if they did have players on the post, the, the third goal would definitely not have been offside. So. Perhaps Klopp might turn around and I'm surprised. I'm not surprised he hadn't already said this, to be honest. Probably has. to do his job for him. But, you know, as you mentioned, as Paul just mentioned, then a bit more aggressiveness. And they did a bit better against Hoffenheim, didn't they? That's it. They, they did. And, and, yeah, let's be fair there. I, I actually thought, they, even though they looked in open play, they looked quite nervy. I thought they dealt with the, the high ball relatively well. There was, I think there was that one in the first half where Lovren decided to slide in on six yards out. <laughs> and sort of, while he was on his backside, nodded it back to Mignolet. Um, but Hovenheim went in with a game plan they were obviously looking for that whip ball weren't they on that sort of trajectory the the inward curve uh, but Liverpool dealt with it relatively well I thought Mignolet commanded this box all right and you know they did this towards the end of last season as well when they're on the game in that in that respect they're absolutely fine they look fine That they don't you think back to Watford last last season uh, I thought Mignolet was probably man of the match uh, by a chance overhead kick in terms of commanding his box, taking all the taking all the pressure off of the defence, it's just that I don't know if it's a concentration thing. I don't know if it's a, if it's if, I don't know what it is. But there, there will be games, and the, the the certainly far too frequent from a Liverpool perspective, where they'll just forget how to defend set pieces. As part of that, just not so much about the defending set pieces, but just the general play. 
It's to do with the midfield. They haven't got a recognised defensive midfield in there. And there's been some questions already in these two games about, I think you touched on it just a moment ago, about the lack of drive and dynamism from midfield. If you've got Emre Chan, Wijnaldum, who, who we have to regard as a bit of a touch player, doesn't seem to get involved that much if he's not on the ball. And Jordan Henderson, who's still coming back from injury and doesn't look fully fit. You know, Chan's never been the quickest anyway. There's just a lack of something there in midfield. Yeah, and I think... There's no way that that three would have started the season, you know, but for but for the injuries which have you know effectively given Klopp absolutely no choice. You know, the only other option he's got in there is probably Marco Gruich. Um and yeah, I think it is an issue. You know, it's, it's far too samey in there. I think um, Henderson's clearly still trying to get back to to where he was. You know, I've, I think you know he proved without a shadow of a doubt in the first half of last season that, that he can do that role really effectively and, and dictate games, but he, he hasn't been able to do that so far. Um, I thought he got better against Watford after a, a poor start. Um, Chan, I thought, I, I, quite, I quite liked Chan the other night. I yeah, thought he did well, but when Alden, I think, has been really poor in both games, um, you know, he, I, I think he wouldn't be there, would he? If you know, Ideally, you'd have Coutinho as that, that third, third man or Lalana, um, and then suddenly that changes everything in that, you know, you've got that quality connection between the midfield and and the front three um but yeah it is a problem at the moment and you know I don't I didn't think you know although Lovren and Moreno I thought were were, were both way off it the, the other night it didn't help the fact that there was a, a lack of protection and a lack of control in, in midfield as well for long periods of that game I was saying back in November last season that the the Wijnaldum Chan too just doesn't work for me. I know they won a couple of games towards the back end of last season with it, but there's just not enough creativity in that. As James James said, they're all they're, it's a little bit samey. And I know they've got injuries, and all the Lana's out, and Coutinho's out, but I find it almost preposterous that we've got into August and Liverpool are still can only field that as a midfield. Yeah. I understand the whole case scenario situation. I understand it's all dragged on, and I understand that they've been unlucky with injuries. But how have they got to August? Nearly twelve months after anyone could have told you that that midfield two isn't really useful enough for what Jurgen Klopp wants to do, and have to play them in the first two games of the season. Speaking of preposterous, Paul Alberto Moreno started <laughs> the first two games at left back. Now we shouldn't have been surprised really because Jurgen Klopp obviously bigged him up during the summer. New summer signing, yeah. He's a hundred. What was it? He's a hundred percent, hundred percent back. back yeah. That's it. Yeah. I'm not sure you can be fifty percent back, but there you go. Certainly yeah. wasn't back for that penalty. <laughs> but I wasn't that the keeper. But. Are you surprised he started these two games? Do you think James Milner can feel a little bit hard done by to not have started, even in, even in midfield from what we've seen so far? Yeah, well, when we spoke last week, we were picking our team for Watford, and I actually had a sneaky suspicion Milner was going to play left-back, just to add a bit of solidity and a bit of nous and a bit of you know, know-how. So basically, we just ignore what you're about to say now, because you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the first time. But yeah, it's strange, isn't it? You know, £10 million spent on Andy Robertson, and he hasn't been in the squad, and... Reynolds getting played as though last season just didn't exist, as though you know he wasn't dropped from the first game and spent the rest of the season on the bench, apart from the, the game against Palace, and now you know one good game against Bayern Munich in pre-season and also given, and he's back on the team like he's in who's signing. It, it is. It, yeah, it's we're banned from saying that. We are banned from saying yeah. any returning player or. Failure or keeping hold of the play is not like a new signing. Adam Lallana said in pre-season that Daniel Sturridge was like two new signings. Did he really? Yeah. Why? Because he's fit and he was firing, but obviously then he then got injured. So now he's like no new signing. So Liverpool need a new striker? 
Is that what we think? No, because Daniel Sturridge is back and fit and should should play on Saturday. Really? Know. Yes. Well, there you go. Uh, well, speaking, that, you've led me nicely onto your press conference today, which yeah. you were at, and Paul just mentioned Andy Robertson. He disappeared. Where is he? What's he doing? What's happening with him? <laughs> um, yeah, not surprisingly, Klopp was asked why Robertson, who, who cost Liverpool best part of ten million quid from from Hull, why he hasn't even made the bench for the first two games, and he said he was still adapting to the, the style of play. Um, which not not completely surprised that Klopp's overlooked him, just because you know I think I think you could tell from a few of the friendlies and Klopp's comments afterwards that you know he, he I think he mentioned I think over in Germany about how you know he's you can see his threat going forward, um, but you know he's got a lot to learn about the way we do things defensively, and um, so. And I think I think also the reason <laughs> why stop defending, yeah, yeah. Stop we defending. don't do we that. The reason why he's not been on the bench, the way it was explained to me was that um, it's because Joe Gomez has been on the bench instead, because obviously Gomez is more versatile, and you have Gomez on the bench because then he can fill in at centre half or left back or right back. Whilst if you have Robertson on the bench, he's just a, a reserve left back. So that's that's why um, you know Klopp. Today he spoke about you know you know he said you know I, I'm surprised people are jumping on it already because it's so early in the season Andy's chance will come um, was singing his praises just said it's a case of of settling in which I think you probably have to take that at face value because he didn't sign to what it was about the twenty first twenty second of July um, missed what that's three weeks of pre season that he missed and it will be a massive step up for him you know having started off doing pre season with Hull. You know, in the championship, and then suddenly uh, training at Liverpool. Um, but you know, just following on from what Paul said, I'm still absolutely amazed that Alberto Moreno. You know, if someone had said that at the end of last season that Moreno would start the first two games of this season, you just have laughed because it was everyone you spoke to at Liverpool was adamant that that Moreno, you know, Moreno's days were. Had gone at Liverpool. We always you know, had they, that sneaky suspicion, though, didn't we? The club quite liked him. No, I, I must no. I, I, I didn't. I, I thought you know we didn't like him much last season, did he? When we <laughs> spent eight months sitting on the bench. The you know he played two Premier League games in the whole of last season in terms of starts. And yeah, I'm. I haven't you know obviously Klopp sees him every single day of the week and knows a lot more than what we do. But I, I'm I'm just amazed that he somehow got back in the side. You know Liverpool turned down eleven million quid off Napoli. Um, what was that kind of probably late late June? You know, the, he would have gone. He would have sold him if if they'd increased that to fifteen million. Um, and then obviously once Robertson comes in, you know the word had always been well, yeah, Moreno will go once we've got a new left back in. But he didn't. And then somehow in the last few weeks of pre season, Klopp has suddenly decided well no Milner will now be a midfielder this season, and Moreno and Robertson will fight for that. Left back slot spot. Um, you know, I, th- I thought he might have played Milner there the other night, just as Paul said, to give that bit more solidity at the back. But I can't say I'm that disappointed not to see Milner at left back because I had had enough of that last season. Christian, uh, speaking of, of Andy Robertson, fans now saying that players aren't given time. Now that he's obviously been given time to to settle in, now fans are complaining about he's being given time. Uh, it's just just fans moaning again. I, I don't think so because I think. But it's, like, it's the old way that Liverpool used to do things, not just Liverpool, other teams. They'd buy a younger player, youngish player, and he'd have like three or four months. You can't do it now. Uh, you can't, do it, now. can't do it now, but he's been given the time on the training ground rather than in the reserves 
to try and settle in and see the way that they do things. Which is a very, a very noble concept, and you can sort of see where Ian Klopp's coming from. But at the same time, I think rightly so, people would have looked at this season and said, "Well, there's this, you know, unlimited pot of, of gold. There's, uh, there's obvious." Uh, tweaks that are needed, obviously improvements in the side. One of those has been left back. It was all throughout last season. Ended up playing James Milner, who did a did a steady job, did a good job to be honest for most of it. But come the end, like James, I think I'd, I'd had enough of him cutting in on his right foot and <laughs> crossing the ball beyond the far post and out for the goal kick. So I, I think if, if, if Liverpool spend, I don't know it's astronomical prices nowadays, but I think if, if Liverpool spend ten million pounds on a right back. Uh, left back even there's, there's that little sort of, there's got to be a bit of expectation that he can move straight into the side he knows what Premier League football is and I know Klopp's style of football is a lot different to what Marco Silva was playing and certainly what Mike Phelan was, was preparing to, purporting to play but <laughs> at the at the same time the Moreno performances haven't really helped that you know he's been alright He's, he's not been terrible. He was, he was bad it. against Hoffenheim. I thought he was all right against. Yeah, I don't want to. He was all right against Watford. I thought he was poor against Hoffenheim. But how do we know that's not what he's asked to do? No, no, no look, he's but not that's the example I'm going to maybe the one you're about to use now. It's injury time. When the high ball came over in the second half against Hoffenheim, I was on about that. And the he watched the ball, but then backed off and just let the fella get on the end of it. I'm on about. It's injury time. It's two one to Liverpool. He plays a one two in Mane and then legs it off. He's, he's off. He's off down the left wing. And it's like well, yeah, know. you know what's going to happen. Yeah, Mane loses yeah. it. And suddenly that's instruction, but you can't. Got to foul somebody. But this is this is in in response to the fans moaning. You don't blame fans for looking at that, seeing that, and whether it's his instruction or Klopp's instruction, whoever. You can't blame fans from saying, "What are you doing, Alberto? Is there no chance this fellow we've just paid ten million pounds on can can do this job instead?" It's. I don't think it's an unreasonable. Request to, to to expect an unreasonable expectation that Andy Robertson could possibly play first team football for Liverpool in August. Really, fair enough. Well, uh, it feels a bit wrong to be doing this with Andy Kelly not here, but we're <laughs> going to talk Trent Trent Alexander Arnold now. James, you know we we've seen him a little bit on for the under twenty three. So when he stepped up to take the um, take the free kick against Hoffenheim, it wasn't like the world's biggest surprise. But for an awful lot of fans, and not you know. Neutral observers wouldn't understand that he's that good at you know set piece. He took the corners against Watford, and we mentioned that you know, I think it was Matt, Matty bit the bar off and got a good save from the keeper. Yeah, but he stepped up and he just knocks it into the corner. Can you know starts his Liverpool career, local lad, uh, comes into the team at right back. He's taking corners, set pieces, whatever, knocking in free kicks. Does that remind you of anyone? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was it was just a brilliant moment, wasn't it? And I thought you know he was the by far and away the, the the massive positive you know the night belonged to him um i think you're right it wasn't wasn't a massive shock just because you know anyone who's who's, who's seen him perform at under 23 level knows that that he is a he is a dead ball specialist um but i just still love the absolute you know the context of that goal as well because you know it was such an important moment in such a high stakes game where liverpool had, had been up against it for for large parts of that first half and and I know Klopp said afterwards, you know, he he said, you know, I don't want the credit. He said, but I told him to take it. Um, but it's still it's still different when a manager tells you before the game, you know, you can you can you can have free kicks if they're on that side or whatever, and then you've got three or four stood over it. 
and then still having having the balls to to step up and whip it into the bottom corner like that. And you know, initially when I was at the, at the ground, I thought, you know, what has the keeper done there? But then when you watch it back, it's going wide. It's, yeah, yeah it's I mean the whip, the whip on it is it's not the no, old trapper, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's yeah, that sort yeah. of. You know, it was just just a just a, a, a brilliant moment. You know, and, you know, I'm sure when you remained calm in the press box. When I <laughs> yeah, just a little <laughs> fist pump under the desk. Um, yeah, just see. What, I mean, whatever he goes on to achieve at Liverpool, which hopefully will be a vast amount over the next ten, fifteen years, you know, he'll, he'll never forget that night at the Rhine Necker Arena. Um, and you know, it's, you know, he's he's grasped his chance, hasn't he? I think there's no doubt Klein would have been under massive pressure in the early stage of this season, anyway, with the way that Trent finished last season. Obviously, with Klein's back injury keeping him out, the opportunity is knocked and. And he's fitted in, brilliant. You know, he's, of course, he's not the finished article. You know, he played played a part in Hoffenheim's goal late on, but there was so much to admire about him going forward and and defensively. And it's just great to see, isn't it? You know, a, lo- a local lad, you know, in in there on merit and absolutely flourishing. I don't think we should put too much pressure on the young lad's shoulders, but he could become the best player in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Christian Walsh, they're possessed by the spirit of Andrew Kelly. <laughs> no, uh, jokes aside, uh, he's a special, special talent, isn't he? And uh, uh, there was that moment in the second half where he took the ball down, sort of it was a half bounce, and took it in a stride, beat a couple of players and laughably didn't get a free yeah. kick for getting side down on the edge of the box. I, I he's, he's impressive in uh, right back. I want to see him in midfield. I'm going to say he's, he's not a right back, is he? He's not a right he's, back. He can't. He can't. It would be such a waste. And this is no disrespect to any fullbacks, but it would be such a waste of of talent if he was stuck being a right back for the rest of his career. I think he's got a massive future as a number eight. I really do. And it wouldn't surprise me if Liverpool. The, the, I wouldn't mind seeing it at some point in an FA Cup game or a League Cup game. I'd like to see him in central midfield. He was number six for the academy. I think was it. Pep Linders has said he used to. Sort of, he compared to that Ruben Neves, who's at Wolves now in terms of number six. That that sort of that sort of player, I'd love to see him in midfield at some point this season. But Paul, he's, he's definitely somebody who, every time he's asked something's asked of him, you look at Old Trafford last season. Yeah, he steps up, produces exactly. Yeah, he was undaunted, wasn't he? Not many eighteen-year-olds will make the debut at Old Trafford, really. You know, for for the opposing team. Um, I, I love Klopp's answer. I don't know whether it was today or the other night when. You know, he asked, were you surprised that Alexander Arnold's, you know, whipping him free kicks and whatever? And he said, you know, he's playing for the under twenty threes or whatever. The, the goals are still the same, so why not put him on it? And you know, he uh, he repaid his faith. Um, I think he, he is a big talent. I wouldn't. I'd be a bit wary of expecting too much this season. As I say, he's only eighteen and he's got plenty of room to develop and and years on his side. But what a talent that people have got on their hands. Now, James, you were, uh, as we mentioned before with Jurgen Klopp today. He spoke a little bit about um he didn't if the transfer window had shut before the season started, he would have been happy with his squad. Now this kind of goes against what he's been saying recently where he's mentioned it, I think it was to you about um during the market for a midfielder, which I think was last week. Then after the Watford game he confirmed that they're looking to improve all parts of the team, which was <laughs> okay, it could be construed as being a bit of a wishy washy answer because his actual question was are you thinking of signing, looking to sign a centre back, which we all know that they are, and we could probably even guess which one it is. However, what's Klopp playing at here? Is he just saying stuff for the sake of it, or is he just covering all bases just in case no one gets bored? Because I can't believe yeah, it, that Liverpool won't sign anybody between now and August yeah, 31st. It's, it's, it's definitely the latter, isn't it? You know, I think he, he doesn't want to come out now and say, yes, 
we desperately need a couple of new faces before the window shuts, and then Liverpool don't make them, and then suddenly, you know, it's it's then a massive issue of Klopp hasn't got what he what he asked for or what he wanted. You know, is that is that as a result of Klopp himself, or is that because the money's not there? Um, so we, you know, I think he's he's not going to talk down the options at his disposal at the moment um, because, you know, as he said himself, you know, he, he's, his his primary objective at the moment is to push on and get the most out of them. And if you're a current player, you don't want to be told that um, that the squad's not good enough and that you, you desperately need a, a few more options. Do you really think that? Because a number of players have come out and said, yeah, we need some new players. Who's come out and said that? Well, I think Anderson said it and Alana said it. I think they both said it during the summer, saying, "Yeah, we need, we could do oh, some yeah, new yeah. faces." Oh yeah, yeah, that was earlier on the summer, though, wasn't it? And I think there have been new faces since then. Yeah, probably not, but, not the ones that they were expecting. Like. But no, I mean, you only have to look at the fact that you know Klopp had three main targets to need this summer. Obviously, Salah, who he got, Kaita and Van Dijk, who he hasn't got so far, and you know he wouldn't have Liverpool wouldn't have made such a, a play for Kaita if Klopp didn't think that. They were weak. They were weak in centre midfield and needed another option there. Same with Van Dijk. You know they they were too keen in terms of the way they went after him uh, too early on and, and made a hash of that and ended up having to apologise. So you know that that underlines Klopp's not stupid, is he? Like it's pretty clear to anyone who's watched the first two games, Liverpool desperately need to strengthen the centre back and centre midfield. If if those you know if if RB Leipzig and Southampton had been. Uh, interested in the money Liverpool are offering then those two areas would have already been addressed as it is they haven't and the, the big question now is what what do Liverpool and what do Klopp do because you know does he does he go after an alternative option um or does he say you know I'll I'll crack on with what I've got and wait and and and, and wait for the you know January or next summer b- before addressing those areas personally I think it has to be the former and I just don't think you can, you can just go. No, I, 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 there's nothing out there that I 100% want, um, because I, I just think it could derail an entire season. Because there's no way Liverpool are going to be able to compete in the knockout stages of the Champions League, say, and maintain a title challenge with the defensive and midfield options that he's got at the moment. I think if you keep the squads as it is, so that's no Van Dijk or Keita or any alternatives. And let's say Coutinho stays as you know, obviously Liverpool absolutely the will happen as, his ma- as, the, as the mascot <laughs> in Macy Red's costume. Um, <laughs> it's where he is now, actually. I think essentially Liverpool will have to write off the season. That's not in the sense of we've had two games. No, 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 no. Well, let me explain what, what I mean here. They will basically have to be content with having a season of nothingness and just finishing fourth again. And but but. In a way, that's okay. That's that's not too bad. But they shouldn't expect any sort of glory. They shouldn't expect any sort of real progression. All it would be is a year of treading water, keeping their position, and then going into next summer knowing exactly that, okay, Case is there for £48 million. Van Dyke will come. And it's just a case of not writing, not writing the year off, but accepting that this year is just a bit of a, a dead year where they've just got to maintain the position. And they essentially have the summer that they were meant to have this summer, next summer, and they have the season they were meant to have this season, next season. So we're now changing the. It's going to be our year to. It's going to be next year. Yeah. But but I I think if they do that, and I don't think they should do that. But I think if 
Do you reckon? Hang on. Do you see? So you reckon that's a possibility that they could just do nothing? I think it's a possibility. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I do think they'll probably get a midfielder. I, I'd be amazed if they didn't get a midfielder. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if if Jürgen is is happy with what he's got and just says, do you know what? There's not a, there's not a viable deal here. I, I don't want to spend fifty million pounds on a midfielder at a really rate, or I don't want to spend twenty five on a centre back. That's I don't think is any better than Ragnar Klavan. They keep hold of the squad that they've got and they just basically have a season of keeping their heads above water, treading it, and then getting to next summer and then having the, the summer they were meant to have this summer. Paul, can you see any of that happening? I hope not, to be honest. Um, I'm not saying the intention to do that, yeah, by the way. I'm not saying that intentionally, I'm just saying that's how it might have to pan out. I think if Liverpool's squad is as it is now on September the 1st, I think there's going to be an almighty fume from across <laughs> Twitter and Facebook and, you know, which you will be life. doing a social media reaction. I, 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 I don't even think social. I think it'll be in the stadium as well, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. I think I'd, I'd, I'd go for real people as I, well. I think, as, you I can't think say be, that. You cannot say that. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? perfectly within the right to, to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, the of. You, know, you really think that? Sorry, just you really think that people would fume in the stadium if they don't send any players? And then the next home game after that, they'll be like all moaning and groaning. If they go one nil down, you, yeah, of course they would. What happens if they go one nil up? What happens if they buy loads of players and go one nil down? They'll still moan. I just think I, I there's do not any really protests, is there? But no, I think what Chris is saying is that even if you spoke to match going Reds, you know, are you happy with the transfer window? If if say the transfer window shut today and then Liverpool played, just, hmm. of course, you, I don't think you'd find a Liverpool fan anywhere that went. Yeah, do you know that's going to be a good summer? Because it hasn't been a good summer, has it, at the moment? Would they go Cops as far one as... Would, out, one out of his three targets. Would they go as far Liverpool... as being as upset as Christian's be grumbles. I think they'd they, definitely they be grumbles. Be. What you mean, like in the stadium in during the stadium. games? Yeah, or beforehand. Well, no, 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 I'm not. I'm I mean, not talking about protests, protests, protests or banners, but, but I'm thinking across. You're shouting, you know, yeah, yeah exactly. It's ways. just sort of the style. Pieces of A4. Do you remember? Do you remember Liverpool versus? Uh, this is very niche now, but we'll go back there. Do you remember Rodgers' first season? Liverpool played Arsenal just before the transfer window yeah. shut. And he were failed pursuit of Dempsey, and I think the front three that day was Suarez, Sterling, and Suso. Um, AC Milan's an AC Milan Man City and Barcelona player up front. Oh, correct, but that was the front three, and they got beat 2 0. They got comprehensively beaten, to be honest. The atmosphere that day was, it, I'm thinking about that sort of atmosphere, this sort of, but well, what are you going to do about it? You know, how was this? How Agitated. We got to, yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. you know, have we done enough? Between Van Dyke and Cater, the money that's been talked is well over 100 million, and if they don't get either of them, Liverpool fans just expected to be happy that that hundred million is still sitting there unspent on top of money that might come in for Coutinho, which could take it up to two hundred million still sitting there. And you know, I can think of so one journalist who wouldn't be happy if that money isn't spent. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, yeah, sorry, keep, look, look at Chelsea though as well. Chelsea, I mean, okay, they got beat three two, etc. But a favour of that anger in that stadium was over the fact that they've not signed enough players. Yeah, but that's only because they were getting beat. Still winning, they wouldn't be like that. I tell you, what, it doesn't. It doesn't help as it well. Hand in hand, though, doesn't yeah. it? It doesn't help as well when you look across Stanley Park and the amount of money that's been spent this summer as well. You know, I wouldn't. I'm not not to say that anyone that Everton have signed would. would I don't think any of them would, would walk into the Liverpool team. Michael Keane might, but yeah, you probably have him. Uh, probably instead of Lovren, wouldn't you? But apart, that place. yeah, yeah. Apart from that, he'd probably be the only one. But it does put it into context when you know they've spent more on Gilfie Sigurdsson this week. Than Liverpool have spent in total during the summer, and you go back to. But the last... they spent on any player ever. And you go back to 
obviously when Liverpool beat Middlesbrough, got into the top four, everyone left euphoric that day in May. Uh, you know, and I remember you know doing the stuff that night, and it was all about you know what a huge summer this is for Liverpool. Um, you know, need a massive show of you know of show of real intent in the market to prove that you know not only are they back amongst Europe's elite, but they intend to stay there and actually compete um, for the big prizes. And and yeah. You know, I don't think you you can't question the attempts at doing the deals this summer, but they haven't got them over the line, have they? So at the moment, it has been a bad summer. You can't. I don't think you could paint it in any other way. And even keeping hold of Coutinho, you know, that is obviously absolutely crucial. But that that doesn't make it a good window. And you manage to keep hold of Coutinho because he had five years left on his contract. If you can't keep someone when he's got five years left on his contract, then we might as well all give up. New signing. <laughs> I've already written they can't do that uh, Paul sorry for interrupting you before by the way um, no you're not sorry uh, maybe a little bit uh, in some ways this whole thing James just hit on something then about you know Liverpool getting to the Champions League and everybody suddenly expected great they're in the Champions League this is where we can sign all these great players but it's not happened has it and not it's not just right. Liverpool it's, it's a lot of other clubs just being in the Champions League or in Arsenal's case not being in the Champions League that hasn't stopped good players joining them and because clubs, certainly English clubs and certain foreign clubs have got so much money now, they just don't want to sell the players. And being in the yeah. Champions League is making absolutely no difference. You always used to be able to sell the Champions League as like a, you know, to aspirational players, come and play in, in you know, the greatest club competition in the world. But something that didn't get spoken about as much as, you know, we've, we've got the money for, for being in the Champions League as well, so you could offer it on wages. But Premier League teams don't need to worry about that now. You know, they don't need to... To sell players, none of them do. So that's made prizing players from less from lower down leagues harder. And the players who Liverpool were going after, you know, RB Leipzig finished second in the Bundesliga, Roma finished second in Serie A. So they're trying to get star players for them who see themselves on par with Liverpool. So it's difficult. Christian, will the ultimate example of that is Barcelona, isn't it? I mean, they've just played Real Madrid and got tonked twice. Look, absolutely miles off the pace, which is odd considering they've only really sold one player. Even then, they didn't want it. But the, the struggle that they're having, you know, we have to presume Liverpool aren't going to sell Coutinho to them this summer. If they do, there probably will be all those protests that you suggested that might happen in the stadium. Definitely didn't suggest that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, having, <laughs> and they are uh, they're having trouble uh, signing the Dembele from Dortmund as well. But Dortmund are sticking to, you know, they're not wanting to sell either. I think it's twofold. I think, number one, there's so much money in the game now, it's obscene, really. and as Gorsty said, there's there's no real, there's certainly no reason for Liverpool to sell. There's no reason for Dortmund to sell because it's a knock-on effect in the sense that okay, so you get so Liverpool get 120 million for Coutinho, Dortmund get 135 for Dembele. What did he do with it? Because no one else will sell below them. The food chains, yeah. so it's all clogged up. I think also there's a fair bit of reticence from from clubs in general, so like Southampton and Leipzig, and and, and maybe like how. You know, Tottenham and Arsenal are finding out in Chelsea. I think there's a bit of reticence in terms of because these clubs are so rich, Liverpool included. Now, I don't, I don't, I think it seems like Southampton are sort of ruffling a few feathers. They feel like, well, why should we just bow to you? You know, you're getting all this Champions League money, you're getting all this Premier League prize money. Why should we bow to you? You know, why, 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 why can't we be the same size as you are? Why can't we sort of bloody your nose? And I think that's that's certainly what's what's what a, a big theme for me over over this entire uh, entire summer. The other thing as well is, you know, we talk about a bad summer for Liverpool and how you know 
I would have been all right if they got the deals over the line. But you've got to severely question why they went for players who looked unobtainable from the start. Well, clearly, 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 they didn't, yeah, clearly, they didn't, didn't think that. Clearly, they didn't. Maybe there's something's happened in the background that's changed because you would think that they wouldn't have wasted all that time. Well, it's, it's, the same, it's the same with Barcelona and Coutinho, isn't it? Cause Cause they waste the net. You know, every every day for the last few weeks, you know. Rep- Reports in Spain, not clear, you know, clearly. Yeah, we know, we know that's, that's them, them being briefed, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, but, but there was almost that, you know, they, they took it as red, you know, they will get their man eventually because they've got this massive pot of gold and they'll just keep on offering a bit more and a bit more until they'll reach a point where Liverpool can't say no. And that, I think they still think that that's the position they're in. Now they don't seem to accept that you, you flip it around, and I know people still think, I speak to people who are still convinced Coutinho will leave. I just think it's just not going to happen. How can Liverpool possibly go back now and sell him after everything that Klopp said? You know, the other night in Hoffenheim, the day before the game, he was talking about, you know, there there is no amount of money. We don't want their money. Uh, we have our own hopes and dreams that we want to fulfil. Um, we don't we don't want the cash. And then added to that, the owner's statement last week that they they can't sell Coutinho. And as Chris said, you know, 120 million. I think if you know, if someone had offered you that for Coutinho. In June, then you'd have been mad not to take it, but that's no use to no, no use to Liverpool now. And you know that kind of Barcelona's confidence that Liverpool will eventually buckle. Liverpool had exactly the same confidence with Leipzig over Keita because you know how, how you know that was drawn out so long and the two bids that went in and then considering a third bid. Um, but yeah, and, and exactly the same with Van Dijk at Southampton. You know, they've they've just been bought out by the Chinese, haven't they? And the chairman's come out this week, and you know, effectively done what FSG did last week with um, with Coutinho. You know, said that Van Dijk is going nowhere, and you know, again, you, know, you speak to people who are going, oh yeah, but they'll still they'll still sell. You know, if Liverpool go in with a big enough offer, they'll. How, how can they? You can't you can't come out and say that and then. Go back on their word again. I, it's I almost just, like because I... we're kind of used to football clubs, perhaps in some way, not being entirely truthful and changing their minds very often. It kind of smacks of a bit of arrogance, though, doesn't it? From, yeah. from the bigger clubs, and maybe this is a summer where clubs put foot down. That's what that's what yeah. Chris yeah. 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 Because of that, then do you feel as though the power has now shifted away from the players again and towards the clubs? Because we have to imagine that Dembele wants to join Barcelona, Van Dijk wants to join Liverpool, Coutinho wants to join Barcelona, Sanchez wants to join Spurs. I'm on a rugby. Oh, yeah, I've got to say, that would have been a good story. Yeah. Van Dijk's statement was like 500 words saying, let me go. <clears throat> Coutinho's been in a transfer request. Dembele's been suspended. Sanchez isn't signed in contact. Sanchez isn't signed in contact. Yeah. But all these players are still at the clubs yeah. who want to keep them. So at, when September 1st arrives, if all them players are still there, then... Yeah. And you would have to assume that they are going to have to start playing for their clubs, presuming they're not dropped. Because if you're going on strike, it, that's not exactly selling yourself very well to, to your prospective employees. You know, Barcelona go, hang on a minute, this, this Coutinho, not that I'm saying he's about to go on strike, but if, if something happens whereby he doesn't play for a year, why on earth would you want to buy him? I think this is why they're trying to get the transfer window to shut before the season starts. Well, I was going to go to that, yeah. We're, we're, getting, we're going to get to September 1st, and there's going to be... I reckon a good six or seven players who won't have played for their clubs, Castillo included. And then what? You know, it's just it's, it's, it's yeah. a bizarre situation. What you've also got are clubs who don't care about because they've got so much money, they don't care about contracts expiring anymore. So you've got the likes of Oxley Chamberlain, who Liverpool, Emery Chan, yeah. Emery Chan yeah. even mm-hmm. from, from Liverpool. There's, there's, there's no point. Why cash in on him for, for, a low, for a lower value than he's worth? 
when you can get another year out of them, all right, so leave on a free, but you've got the money to write it off now. Good point. So do you think that they should or should not close the transfer window before the season starts? I mean, professionally speaking, yeah, definitely. But from, from, a, but, but from a football perspective, yeah, I do. This yeah, is ridiculous that it's rumbling on. It's the second game of the season. Coutinho's still got a bad back. And it does take a while to get over that, to be fair. Yeah. It hurts. Um, I would definitely be in favour of it shutting before the season starts. Is it... Even you look at it this year as well, and it's during the international break, isn't it, that it shuts? Well, was, so how, was how's going, that? How's we'll that going to plan? Yeah. Because you know, what is it the twenty seventh? Liverpool play Arsenal, don't they? Mm. And then obviously you have players jetting off all around the world on the twenty eighth. Coutinho plays presumably if he's fit, which he might not be, which means he wouldn't be called up, but he has been called up uh, for um, Brazil in a World Cup qualifier on August the thirty first. Yeah, and we can see Catalonia. Well. It's not there. Yeah. Do, do you think his back injury would be, be no? But I'm just I'm, I'm I'm saying there's this strange thing whereby there'll be a lot of other players who'll be playing and they're going to go off on international duty and if they haven't got the move that you wanted, you know what these players are like when they're speaking to the, you know, we're going to get a ton of quotes, a ton of pressure. It'll just be interesting to see what happens. So you definitely feel yes before the season starts. Definitely, yeah. Paul, same yeah, question. 100%. I think you look at Chelsea on Saturday, um, down to nine men. No, did they have a, a few? Key players out for three games or whatever, and the transfer window still open. They can go and spend seventy million in the blink of an eye and beef up their squad, and, and you know they, they go again. I think everyone should know who they've got before the season starts. It's it's logical. But I, the only thing that I don't quite understand is will it would it not have to be a Europe wide thing for well, it really to work? Is, the thing yeah. is, I, I I was thinking about this as well. The Premier League have to okay the registrations, don't they? Going in and out, so they just say our registration office is closed now on whatever date it is, and you're tough, you can't do any. But isn't that a similar thing to what La Liga did with Neymar? That was no, that was yeah, that was different. They what was that to do with? That was to do they have to pay the money through them when it's a release clause. It doesn't go direct to the club, and they tried to stop it. But this would be a you know, that's something that I'm like sure the, the FA could do. I think do it was the, was it the Chinese Super League, wasn't it? I think the Chinese Super League's probably the the, uh, the one to look at in terms of their days ends in like February, even they, yeah. but you can still do deals up until that point. So I think in terms of if you're Barcelona and you want to buy Coutinho, although the European window shuts on September 1st, you've basically got to box the Coutinho transfer off by August 15th or whatever, and that's, that's the way it is. Uh, we'll just look finally at the game on Saturday. Saturday? Yeah. Oh, Saturday, Crystal Palace. What? Never catch on. Yeah, no, none of that nonsense. Uh, Crystal Palace at home. It's not Sam Allardyce's Crystal Palace. It's uh, let's get this right. It's Frank, Frank de Boer, Frank isn't de it? De yeah, not Ronald de Boer, as no, I kept yeah. on when the story broke. Uh, Frank de Boer's uh, Crystal Palace. Uh, Jan Mulby was speaking on a podcast this week uh, to I think it was to Neil Jones and Joe Rimmer, and he said that Frank de Boer will be very popular in the Premier League because he will create the. Most one of the most attractive teams to play against because he'll want them playing a certain way, which will be this free-flowing football, and it'll be the complete opposite to what we've been used to seeing Crystal Palace, i.e., rocking up at Anfield, sticking the ball in the mixer, and coming away with invariably coming out coming away with at least a draw, possibly a win. Yeah, I think Big Jan's spot on. I think kind of saw that in the um, the Asia Trophy. Obviously, Liverpool beat Palace two 0 over there, um, and you could see then that you know it clearly still trying to get his ideas across and it is quite a big change I think he's trying to bring in in terms of their style and I'm not sure you know it's not really his his team yet um, and yeah, you only had to only saw the highlights obviously of them getting walloped home by Huddersfield last weekend but um, you'd have to think this is a good time to be playing Palace um, and you know obviously 
their record at Anfield in recent years has been better than anyone. I think they won the last three, um, but you know that was very much based on you know soaking up pressure, hitting Liverpool on the counter, getting crosses into the box, you know, punishing Liverpool for those defensive frailties. But yeah, I see them as I don't think you'd, I don't think if you could p- pick a home game at this at, for this weekend, I think you'd want Frank de Boer's Palace because they looked all over the shop last week. Still Christian Benteke though, Paul. And he does like a goal against Liverpool. He does, not yeah. for them. But um, his strengths are very much suited to how Sam Allardyce wanted his team to play. I don't think... I think Frank de Boer comes in and he's trying to get the likes of Martin Kelly and Scott Dan and Patrick van Arnold to kind of play it out from the back and, you know, possession-based when he's got the likes of Wilfred Zaha and, you know, whoever it is wide and they're crossing into Benteke. I think it'll take some time before those ideas get across and... Um, it would be an opportune time to play them, really, because they have developed their reputation as something of a Bowie team, haven't they, for the last few years? So it would be a great time to sort of end that. And no Zahar either, is there? I don't think. He's no, no, he's out, and he's their best player. I, I think he's a really good player, Zahar, actually. He's someone in Liverpool didn't get so hard, I thought Zahar could have been there. Because his name Very similar, yeah. I, because I've got no life, I watched extended <laughs> highlights of Huddersfield versus Crystal That's right, I watched, I watched Napoli against Nice last night. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, they, they were abject, they were woeful. And i tell you what will be a big thing for Liverpool is that three at the back system, I thought. Salah Ma- and Mane in particular, and Moreno and Alexander Arnold by extension, really enjoyed that three at the back against Hoffenheim. Because, all right, you've got three, um, you've got three centre backs, but you've got the two wing backs, and if they get caught, Sort of in, in no man's land. There's a lot of space in behind there to exploit, and I think um, you've got in that back three. You've got Scott Dan, who's not the quickest. You've got uh, that Real the World, who's, who's you know still yeah. adjusting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was, was it Delaney, maybe Damien Delaney, or, or might have even been Martin Kelly actually. Uh, so you know, with that front three, Liverpool can really hurt that back three. Um, there's going to be a lot of space in behind the, the full-backs. Van Arnold won't track back, which I can't imagine. Um, likewise, Joel Ward on the on the other side. So if Liverpool aren't winning this one, they need to, need to have a good, long, hard look in the mirror at themselves. Final thing then, James. Team news, what do you think? What do you think changes will happen? James Milner in, Gruwich in perhaps, to try and cripple no, I, one of their players I, again? He's quite does this against Crystal Palace. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes with the same again. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, well, they looked absolutely exhausted towards the end of the game on Tuesday. Yeah, it was Tuesday night, wasn't it? it was decent, yeah, but decent you know, gap. The, um, I'd, I'd be surprised if there were many. You don't think changes. you don't think Robertson will come in? You don't think Milner will come in? You don't think perhaps Origi or Slanky will come in up top? No. 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 Nobody. No. I, I can't see the the only the only surprise I could possibly see because I'm not sure why he's missed out, and I might have missed this, but. Ben Woodburn hasn't been anywhere to be seen, has he, the past couple of games? Just wonder if he'll be maybe an option off the bench. But I, I agree with James. You, you, you might throw in you might throw in Milner for Chan or Van Alden, but why? Well, because the team are a little bit tired and there's a big game coming up on Wednesday. Big game coming up on Wednesday, but that's when you throw in you've got you've got no problem playing James Milner in midfield against Hoffenheim. You know? Am I perhaps underestimating this game then? In terms of Liverpool can afford to draw against Hoffenheim. And get through. In fact, they can afford to lose one nil and get through. But if they don't beat Crystal Palace, they could easily be four points off the top of the table. Yeah, five points there's, off the top. There's no way. Lose. There's no way you'll pick a team for Saturday, holding players back for for Wednesday, because it, it, it'll know that, that you know this. You know, suddenly, you know. I think if you beat Palace, 
then you actually look back on, you know, do you know what, for all the kind of how unconvincing performance the first couple of performances were, that's been a good start to the season. Anything less than a win against Palace. And, you know, there'll be a lot of restless souls going into that midweek game. But um, it's, it's, it's just remarkable that after the, 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 the Champions League qualification against Middlesbrough, three months later that Liverpool are, are in this position where they're, they're absolutely limping towards, they're already looking towards the international break thinking we have a bit of a rest yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a big couple of weeks for uh, Wijnaldum. Um, a couple of home games, chance to basically snap out of, of the, the slumber that he's going to the season in. Yeah. Get on the score sheet and you know, get back to the form that he was in last season because he been well off the pace so far. Mm. Right, I think that should do us. Uh, join us next week where we will look back at the game against Palace and head to the second leg against Hoffenheim. Cheerio. Nederland is een kenniseconomie. Maak daarom kennis met NCOI. Met 27 locaties, de grootste opleider van werkend Nederland. Ga naar ncoi.nl voor meer informatie. Hoe hoog leg jij de lat?